The Carmichael Dave Show. He's on the microphone when he's not on the microphone. He's playing a song, and when he's not playing a song, he's on the microphone, and then boom! With Jason Ross. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Call or text at 916-339-1140. It's the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross on Sacktown Sports. See, there you see it right there on the TV, Jason, on the big, one of the big uh, national talk shows who's just saying, how did the Niners stop Patrick Mahomes? And we were just talking about that earlier. What about how did the Niners score on the Chiefs' defense? Yeah, that's right. Mm. Something to watch. Something to follow. Wow. Well, something to follow is the growth and rise of Frankie's career. Mm-hmm. You know, they say the, <laughs> the best ability is availability. And whereas... Brendan Nunes is really close to not being eligible for KHDK MVP awards, Rookie of the Year awards. Yeah. you got to play in 65. Yeah. Uh, Frankie has pretty much made it. I mean, yeah. he, he's like the Lou. frontrunner right now. Yeah, he is. He's like the Lou Gehrig wow. of, uh, of KHDK Satown Sports Insiders. Because I think Emil wow. missed a couple. Yeah. Yeah, so Frankie is uh, – we should have KHDK awards. That'd be actually kind of fun. That would be fun. You and I should just give away like all the <laughs> everything goes to Frankie. Everything, like the Emmys. I mean, what what other awards would there be? I mean, well, if there's if there's room for a most improved, and you know, go easy on our, my buddy Brendan. Maybe he's up for most improved. Well, that would be next year. Yeah, he, yeah, next he, year. He, he's making those preparations now. Because because <laughs> Brendan would Brendan would be uh, like your nominees for newcomer of the year, or rookie yeah. of the year would be what like Brendan and Allen, right? Because mm-hmm. Chris isn't eligible anymore, I don't think. No, I mean Chris is his first year is on air. I mean that could be up for for sure. rookie of the year. You could have uh, show of the year. Yeah. You could have MVP of the station. Uh, you could have contributor, a uh, guest of the year. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, this, mm. this actually, I'm okay, like, I kind of like this. Yeah, the, this. The, yeah, you could have the listeners vote. Why don't you put together a ballot and then have all the show all the shows vote on it and then maybe after basketball season we, yeah. we have a little ceremony. Produce. Sacktown Awards, Pro- absolutely. Producer of the year, mm-hmm. uh, I, like I like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Post game guest of the year, moment of the year, moment of the year on the air, moment yeah. of the year. Oh my crumble, goodness! Crumble, cu- crumble cookie of the year. Yes. yes. Crumble, yeah. Um, <clears throat> by the way, Sean Sharini. Uh, this is not. Uh, by the way. Shut up. This is not uh this is not anything other than this no trades. Just letting you know the three point shooting contest participants. Oh, okay. Tyrese Halliburton, Dame Willard, Malik Beasley, who two two bucks. Jalen Brunson, Lori Markin. Interesting. Steph's gonna be there for the Ionescu hmm. thing, but not for the other thing. Hmm. Yeah, interesting too that Markinen I believe was not an all-star reserve, and he's still going to all-star weekend. So right. yeah, so so is Keegan, right? So is Keegan, yeah, Keegan. Uh, I, I thought about if there's going to be a Keegan three-point contest. You know, it didn't go too well <laughs> last yeah. year, uh, but you know, you never you never know. I mean, I feel like right now, if we're talking about the the best three-point shooter in the Kings by numbers, I think it's HB right now as far as percentage points and. And whatnot, so that's kind of interesting. But I mean, Keegan, somebody I feel like should at some point be in one. I think he has a good shot to be in a three-point contest. But I think it's Fox and and HB right now are the Kings by the numbers best three, best three-point shooters. So that's interesting. Dave, you getting a call? I am getting a call. Hold Who on. is it? Hey. Oh, there's a baby crying in the background too. Yeah, it's Demontis Sabonis. Oh, oh, he want what? What do you want me to tell him? Oh, or yeah, we're doing the segment right now. Okay. 
All right. Okay, love you too. Wow. <laughs> love you too. All right. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. That was much bonus. Yeah. Uh, he said he's shooting like 50% from beyond the arc. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, the unlike volume, though, I think Sabonis is taking like maybe one a game. Yeah, point nine. Yeah, yeah. So that's not not quite the volume that most three point shooters have. But I mean, I, I put on Twitter the other day. I think it might be time to see him take a little more. I agree. Looks, it looks fine when it's going up. I mean, if he's knocking him down at a good rate, why not keep him going? But um, yeah, maybe he'll maybe next year he'll be in the three point shootout. I'm sure they've had one as a team, Frankie. Have, they, have you ever seen one at practice? Who would win one on the on the Kings amongst? Kings? I mean. I mean, Sasha. I mean, we, we've seen Sasha's kind of hit those numbers. They have a board, uh, kind of like an internal competition, and, and they try to kind of beat either the, the high of the week or I think there's a, a – someone holds a record. I think it's Sasha now who has the record for most three-pointers made at a 150. I think it's 135 or something ridiculous oh, like that. Wow. Um, but it'd be Sasha. I mean, again, a guy who is questionable again for tonight's game. Sounds like he's he's close to coming back and, you know, as far as where he is on the floor right now. But – a guy that has a quick release and would have done well in Miami with that that zone defense, but for a three point shootout, yeah, that's someone I think that would be incredible in that sort of situation. But I don't think he's quite to that point where he can put himself in the running for that. I mean, I, I think Jason Capono was a guy back in the day that was kind of like a fringe rotation player, and then he went and won the three point contest. Um, so I, I'm not sure if he's quite there yet, but you know, hopefully, he can get back on the floor first and go from there. I think it'd be kind of a fun exercise for some nerd out there that's looking for a fun exercise to get hits to do like a go go back to I don't know the last twenty years of three point contests and look at everyone's percentages before the three point contest that participated and then look at them mm-hmm. after because like you mentioned Kevin Herter and I feel like that's happened a few times it's kind of like the home run derby where it throws you out of whack I know we were all upset about the snubbing and that's just because we love our players. But Frankie, from a pure basketball point of view, would this be kind of a blessing in disguise? I mean, we're seeing it already. I mean, yeah. the Kings right right now, as far as De'Aaron Fox goes, someone who wasn't playing at the caliber he was really in the year, he looks like he's himself again. I mean, 41 points the other night. He, he has the explosiveness. He's going to the basket. Uh, I think Devonis Sabonis continues to put his head down and put down incredible, put up incredible numbers. I mean, a triple-double the other night. Just, he makes it look so easy. And the Kings are now playing their best basketball of the year. I know that the late game, uh, the way these games are kind of unraveling isn't ideal, but they're picking up wins. They've won six of seven. Uh, tonight's going to be a very big test for them against Cleveland, who I, think, I believe they've won 13 of their last 14 games or 12 of 13. They've been playing. Uh, they're the hottest team in the NBA right now, and, and it's kind of a matchup of the best in the East and best in the West as far as who's been playing well. And uh, I think that it could be a good thing because you want your guys to be, you know, obviously motivated. And, again, the rest I feel like will – it can impact them positively if the Kings are able to get off their feet for a couple of days, most notably those guys. We'll see how things go over the next week and a half, two weeks. I mean, it, I don't I don't believe that all of the Western Conference will, will play in the game. There's always people that drop out or last-second injuries happen, and we'll see if Fox or Sabonis want to go to the All-Star game. I feel like they're next in line uh, to get that call. Maybe Laurie Markkinen as well. Maybe that's why he's doing the three-point shootout in case he gets picked for injury replacement, but uh, I have no doubt it could be a good thing for a team that I think plays well to chip on its shoulder. You know, Frank, you're right about Fox and Sabonis, how well they're playing right now, uh, specifically after finding out that they were snubbed. How about the bench? I think lately, too, we're seeing whether it's Mitchell and McGee, what they're providing, but really it's it's Monk and Lyles right now. I think those two guys are really in a groove. Yeah, that's kind of what we've been waiting for all year. I mean, last year, one of the things that made the Kings so so good was the fact that they were pretty deep one through seven 
all those guys were capable of, of starting or finishing games. And we haven't really seen Malik Monk and Trey Lyles get it going in unison. And after a rough stretch for Malik, especially seeing him come back with what he's done over the past couple of games, a couple of, you know, 20 point or, or 15 plus point and six assists or more efforts, that, that's exactly what the Kings need. And Trey Lyles being able to knock down from the perimeter, he brings physicality down low. The Kings have, have gone small a couple of times with him. Uh, he brings a lot of value there. And again, even guys like JaVale McGee, who have had some good minutes here and there, um, and Davion Mitchell has had good moments. I mean, he's had some bad moments as well, but but more good than bad. Just their bench as a collective has been very good over the over this recent stretch, and that's kind of what the Kings need. And a lot of good teams need to have uh, that that depth on that bench, that stability off the bench where there's no drop off. And Malik Monk, when he's on top of his game, there's there's really little to no drop off going from Fox to Monk, and then especially from for Trey Lyles going from HB or Keegan to him. Uh, he's bringing that the productivity that you need, and that's huge for the Kings that really need that going forward, especially as they evaluate what they're going to do at the deadline. I think that if those guys are producing, it kind of lessens the need for, for another key bench piece. But, of course, the Kings aren't a perfect product, and you know moves might need to be made sooner or later anyways. But if those guys are going, the Kings are going to be in a good spot. Yeah, as we head towards that trade deadline, it becomes interesting, kind of like what you're alluding to here, like – it doesn't there's there's issues but they're also playing really well right now and i guess that's why the gms get paid the big bucks is do you look at what what is happening now and is that what you take away or do you go you know what i i can't let this cover up what we're missing we've got to do something what's your overall feel just to kind of expand on the next few days for the sacramento kings front office i i think there but there's specific types of players that the Kings will be more in, intrigued to kick the tires on. I feel like when you look at the Alex Caruso's who when you look at what he did the other night, I mean, just having that player like that, that can just be a disruptor and get under the skin of other teams. I think that'd be really great for this Kings team. Um, if those prices drop on the Caruso's, the Dorian Finney Smith's, because again, there's a, there's a high market for those guys. Um, the Kings are going to be involved. I think in those talks, I mean, again, and you see just just recently, a few minutes ago, uh, DeLon Wright, another name that's kind of popping mm-hmm. up as far as the Kings could be looking to reunite with him. Uh, maybe they go look at those lesser options that aren't going to cost as much because I feel like, like we've seen Monty McNair have before, or take before the approach of calculated and careful, calculated and cautious. They don't want to part with a bunch of draft assets they, or uh, a player like Kevin Herter or Harrison Barnes unless it's absolutely a move that really kind of impacts the long term. And right now the Kings, I think, are getting a lot of internal improvement, which to some people I think that they look at that and say, okay, well, that's kind of just delaying the inevitable. And maybe you're right. Uh, they might be. But I think if you're getting the productivity from the guys that you need or needing it from and searching from, like Kevin Herter and Harrison Barnes, the two players that have been under a microscope this year, they're both performing now. They're both playing well. Uh, I even looked at Harrison Barnes' numbers compared to Jeremy Grant and Kyle Kuzma over the past 9-10 games, and that's only a 9-10 game sample size. But HB's right there as far as the productivity. Um, and, again, things could change. We've seen Harrison Barnes do this before where he, he plays well and, and knocks down shots and then he kind of disappears. But um, the volume that they've been giving Harrison Barnes is pretty incredible. I mean, for the first 40 games of the year, he was averaging nine field goal attempts per game. Over this recent stretch, this seven-game stretch, he's taking nearly 20 field goal attempts per game. That, that's just that's pretty an incredible turnaround. So I think they'll be very calculated and, like I said, careful. Um, I'm not expecting one of the bigger moves. And you've seen the names kind of drop off the board, like Zach Levine, he's out for the season. 
Um, I, I don't think the Kings are going to you – know, they obviously missed out on Pascal Siakam. I, don't, I wouldn't see them getting involved in any other big names uh, per se in that regard. But I think that Dorian Finney-Smith, Alex Caruso, those are names I think they'll be involved in until until the end and, and see if it, they can make it happen without giving up too much. But um, I don't think the Kings need to make a, a swing for the fence type move until they absolutely feel it's necessary and feel it's a move that's going to impact them, not just for the rest of the season, but – if that's your big move for the next couple of years. That's got to be right. So I'm I'm thinking Monty McNair waits out for that right move. And Frankie, I know without knowing what they could potentially be trading for, do you think it's more important in Monty's mind to protect the players that he currently has or to protect those future picks? What do you think he'd be less willing to give up uh, in in a trade? Uh, I think it's a tight knit group, and I I do feel like the picks obviously are very very valuable right now as well. I mean, if you get through this year. Um, you know that pick goes to Atlanta, and they're, they're right now. I think supposed to get a, like a top. I think it's like a twenty-one right now or twenty, where the Kings' pick would be going to Atlanta. Uh, once that's done, the Kings, you know, are free to trade any for future first they have. I mean, there's no stipulations or restrictions. But um, that kind of goes hand in hand with the fact I think that they're very protective over this roster, and I think that the chemistry of this team can't be undervalued. I think a lot of people have kind of gotten tired of of seeing, of hearing, or saying, okay, the chemistry, the chemistry. It's important. I mean, how many Kings teams have we seen over the years that have this complete, well, complete lack of chemistry and just no uh, cohesiveness in the locker room and on the floor? This group is 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 much different. I mean, they've been together since the beginning of last year. That top seven, top eight in the rotation is completely intact from the beginning of last year. So that goes back to last camp. Um, these guys are close. And I think that uh, no moves will be made unless, again, it's, it's not going to be – I can't see the Kings making a rental move that would – that would take giving up pieces of this rotation. I think if they're going to make a move, it's going to be someone that's going to be under contract, going to be here through throughout the next, you know, they have a window right now with Mike Brown, De'Aaron Fox, uh, Harrison Barnes, all having three years or less in their contracts. They probably want someone that fits that window. Um, and if not that, they'll make some around around the edges moves that maybe are more of a rental type deal, like Royce O'Neal, um, you know, DeLon Wright, those kind of guys that can come in and just provide a better defensive uh, presence for you. But, I can't see the Kings breaking up this group unless it's really something that is meaningful and longstanding. Uh, That's just what I'm expecting personally. But, you know, we'll see. Things can change over this week. There's a lot of things that can change. The deadline's very fluid. You know, you never know what can happen until that that, 12 o'clock deadline passes. And kind of to see how the ball ball rolls out and see how things unfold. Frankie Cardicelli, Sacramento Kings insider for Sacktown Sports, joining us. And, And just kind of a cherry on top of this conversation about the deadline. We can move on to tonight. You know, how much are we maybe as media in general kind of glossing over that this might be a different trade deadline than we're used to because of that, that new CBA and those cap rules. And I'm going to take from an article from Bobby Marks and Tim Bontemps where they're talking about Zach Levine. And before he injured his foot, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reported there wasn't much of a market for him, despite the fact that he scores, and is a potent three-point shooter because he's owed $138 million over the next three seasons. And they, they picked out as examples the Lakers and the Kings. And with the Kings said, you know, and we covered this, making a move for Levine basically locks in your core moving forward and puts them on that, that next apron. So when you're dealing with a team like Sacramento that has a max guy in Fox, has a max guy in Sabonis, Fox is going to get a maxier max probably uh, in a couple of years. H- how important is it if you want to swing for the fences? Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Monty McNair and company are saying, 
will this move make us a legitimate? Can we win a title with this team? Because if we can't, you know, we're only going to have the perimeter to work on with this core. And, and that's the concern. I mean, again, that's I think one of the reasons why a deal for someone like if the biggest name the Kings are going after right now, which it seems like that's from every account they are, they've been interested in Kyle Kuzma for a very long time. If Kyle Kuzma is the guy that you want to bring in, he's someone that you wouldn't have to, to worry about that max contract, that max slot. And again, he's not that kind of player, so you shouldn't expect that kind of impact as far as like maybe a, a Zach Levine or a Pascal Siakam. But I think that Kyle Kuzma's contract is declining scale contract where it goes from, I think, $23 million to 19 in the last season, which I think he has three more years in that deal. That can go hand in hand with Keegan Murray reaching his restricted free agency and saying where where, where does he need to be? What kind of contract is he going to require? He's probably going to require a pretty big uh, payday if he continues to be a two two way threat. So if the Kings are looking to make a deal like that that avoids bringing in a forty plus million dollar contract, which from what we heard during the Pascal Siakam situation, the Kings were not you know they were not thrilled about the possibility of bringing on a forty plus million dollar contract. Um, the Kyle Kuzma situation maybe is more appealing where you can bring in a $20 million salary and then by the time his contract's up in three years, Keegan Murray, time for him to be paid. Okay, well, the Kings can break the bank for him. They can make sure they keep their guy and maybe see where as far as other players in the roster. You never know how things could change over three years. But uh, I think that's the exact reason why they also balked at the idea of bringing in Bradley Beal, who it was pointed out on Twitter yesterday how Bradley Beal – I think the last year of his contract, a player option for $57 million oh, in, in, in three years. And imagine having that, and then you have De'Aaron Fox, you have Demonis Sabonis, who are going to be on $40-plus million deals at that point. Um, you have to be right, and you have to be calculated. And, again, that's what Monty McNair does, and he's been very careful. Um, the front office is very close to the vest about their plans. We all know that. Uh, this is a different front office than what we've seen before. Uh, so I, I'm expecting something like that. I think a Kyle Kuzma-type situation would be very ideal for this roster from a financial standpoint. For fit, that's open to, to be you know debated and have to see how that fits. But that's the kind of player contracts I think they're going to be trying to bring back, the ones that still provide you with flexibility and don't you know hamstring you for future moves going forward. By the way, Jason, uh, 18 points, four rebounds, four and a half assists, and 26 games for Bradley Beal this year. And he's going to make fifty whatever Frankie said fifty eight million in three ah, years, two more years. Wow, that is yikes, rough. Um, Frankie. So this road trip's been really good. I mean, it's turned out to be pretty productive here for the Kings. Five and one. Everybody kind of had targets. Can they get four? They've already got five. A chance at six tonight. And if they did it, they would sweep the Cavs, who you mentioned earlier, the hottest team uh, going right now. Uh, for whatever reason, they've played Cleveland very well. It's a big team. I don't know why the Kings have played them so well. I, I'm thankful that they have. But what do you think about uh, tonight's outlook between these two teams? Yeah, I, I kind of was looking back at that game the Kings and Cavs played at the beginning of the season. I was wondering if the Cavs were missing anybody, and they weren't. The Kings beat them by 12 points and put up 132 points on a really good defense. Uh, Cleveland ha- has a top three defense as far as defensive rating and opponent points per game. They're they're uh, one of the best teams in the league in protecting the paint and defending the three, they're top 10 in both those categories. So I think the Kings just a matter of getting out and pushing the pace. I think that game in the Golden 1 Center uh, was a game where Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox really got out and pushed the pace. And, uh, you know, Cleveland has those lineups with those two bigs, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. So we got to see how the Kings can handle that down in the paint. But a big test for the Kings, like you said, Jason, I mean, seven-game road trip, the Kings are staring at the possibility of coming back 6-1. and one. I don't know when the last time that's ever happened. I'm not sure. I'm sure it'll come out at some point. 1998. Uh, 1998, yeah, that's been a minute. Made up, made up. Probably made made that up. Well, I I believe that, though. I mean, I believe it. I I would not imagine any time 
you know, recent that the Kings have gone on a seven-game or longer road trip and came back with six or more wins. I mean, I'd have to look that up, but that's exactly what you want for a Kings team that was kind of at a crossroads as far as, you know, would they have to make a bigger move at the deadline? They were kind of in a a difficult spot a week and a half, two weeks ago. That's what made the Kings last year so well, so good, too. I mean, last year, the the fact they could win on the road, they were the best road team in the West. They're kind of showcasing that similar skill set right now, and that's dangerous. If you can go on the road and be as good as you are at home, that's definitely something that the the best teams in the league do, and the Kings have proven since the beginning of last year they can do that. So tonight, a big test against a team that is playing very well. Donovan Mitchell, a guy who is is scoring the ball at a very high rate. Um, But, again, I'm looking at the fact that Kings are playing another tough defense, and I feel like they've fared well against some of those teams that are among league leaders in defense outside of Philadelphia who gave the Kings a hard time. But a big test for a Kings team is playing its best basketball of the year, and I think if you can get tonight, you have Detroit on Wednesday, and the Kings can really kind of, you know, get going and never look back after going 10 games over. But uh, deadline week – you know, Kings come back home. There's a game before the deadline. It's kind of a fun week for for media. I know Jason. We we've we had that moment a couple mm. years ago where yeah. Corey jo- Corey Joseph didn't come out for pregame warmups, and it's just there's and he got traded the day, minute before the game started. I don't know. There's a bunch of chaotic moments that can happen in the week of the deadline, and it's gonna be fun to get out there and, and cover it. So let's see what happens and starts tonight in Cleveland. Cleveland has won 13 of 14. Cleveland is 18 and four. In their last 22 games, Cleveland is averaging the third least points allowed in the National Basketball Association. Work cut out for us, and of course, uh, we'll have that coverage for you right here on your home of the Kings, Sacktown Sports, and Frankie and Friends. We'll have all your coverage inside and outside of the game, and he joins us each and every week, bright, early, and on time. We appreciate you, Frankie. Thank you. Thank you, guys, and uh, looking forward to those Sacktown Sports Awards. Oh, we're, we're yeah. Gonna- we're already working on it. It's going to be like, clean up. It's going to be like the Dundies with uh, the Office. That's <laughs> that's we're we're there. It's going to happen. We'll take a break. When we come back, let's switch to football. Four down territory. Brought to you by Made Subaru. How about that? How about that? We got a weekly sponsor for that this week. Smells Special like a week. winner to me right yeah. there. Uh, who's hot? Who's not? Coming up later, Matt Barrows at nine o'clock. We'll take a break. We're right back with Four Down Territory again. Brought to you by Made Subaru next. Dave Show with Jason Ross on your local sports leader, Sacktown Sports. Four Down Territory brought to you by Fire Wings. Nope. Four Down Territory brought to you by Made of Subaru. You know, one of these days I'm going to figure out actually how to host a program. Made a Subaru on board with us for Four Down Territory. We appreciate them. I had Fire Wings on my mind because I wanted to re-mention that uh, we will be giving away a buck twenty-five. That's uh, one twenty-five, hundred and twenty-five dollars in Fire Wings coming up this Thursday for your big game party. Made a Subaru. Proud to have them on board for Down Territory. Chris Rilad with the questions. Give us first down, please. What is one of the most overrated plays in Super Bowl history? overrated I don't know I'm thinking like okay 
Helmet catch is really good. Yeah, it was great. Didn't really overrate that. Um, I mean, John Taylor, 94 seconds. That was pretty good. You go first. Let me think. Um, the overrate. one that comes to mind for me would be... I feel like the Scott Norwood miss is a little bit overblown. Yeah. I mean, it was like... I think it was 49-yard field. I mean, at the time, like... They just killed like a wide right. It was a 49-yard field. Yeah, goal. it was I just pretty feel long. Like that, you know, it's very makeable, but it just where it kind of gets put in. It's like he was a goat for that, for some, the wrong kind of goat. Yeah. And the Bills, Bad oh, goat. just terrible luck. It's like, and he barely missed. It still doesn't matter. He missed. Bartman goat. But it's one of those things like when you lose a game and you put it just on the one play, I think that's too much. Yeah, that's but real, that's not like a positive one. No, I know. I'm just trying to think. Like, that's a really good one. Um, I mean, I don't want to discredit people here. Like, Larry Allen. Wasn't it Larry Allen that got the MVP for the two picks? But they were, like, kind of right to him, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Um, I mean, Joe Namath was fine. No plays in the Super Bowl are underrated, Jason. That's the correct answer. I will say him predicting the Super Bowl has been yeah. overblown. Like, we've seen that all the time, and people get it wrong. No one remembers that. Second down. What is one of the most underrated plays in the Super Bowl history? I mean, it gets noticed, but, like, for recent times, fairly recent, James Harrison's return (laughs) against Arizona as the half was ending. Like, he could have done all that and been tackled at the two, and it doesn't and it matter. It doesn't but he matter. Scored. And Arizona very well could have won that Super Bowl. That was a great Super Bowl. It, sneaky good Super oh, Bowl. Oh, sneaky good forgotten Super yeah. Bowl because it was Pittsburgh and Arizona. But that was a really, really good Super Bowl. Um, and then, you know, one that, you know, you talked about GOAT. And, and you know, one that we, if you saw it, you remember it. But if not, because nothing came from it, you don't. But Kevin Dyson was like a foot away from the end zone. A tackle yep. right, to make that play. Yep. And that would have tied things up almost certainly. Yeah. T- Titans, Rams. And you never know what happens after that. That's one of those like, oh, it's like, uh, was it Gordon Hayward off the front of the mm-hmm. rim against Duke? Like one of those is so close, but it doesn't happen. But Harrison, when you go back, I saw a clip of that last week, as a matter of fact, first time in a while. When you see him, I I still to this day don't know how he got that ball 99 yards or whatever it was. He should have been tackled like 50 times. Yeah. Um, Those are great. I also think you brought up the helmet catch. I think in the the Patriots' amazing comeback, that Edelman catch. Oh, my God. Just like by the fingertips and traffic, like he's being I tackled. I actually think that was a better catch. That's and an I amazing catch. I know that's an unpopular opinion because they're both insane. Yeah. But like when you see him in slow mo, just the, everything that had to go into yeah. that. Ugh. Yeah, they need it. So I think that one's kind of a. I don't think that's appreciated enough or talked about. No, enough. it's not. And even if it's not a better catch than the helmet catch, we all know the helmet catch instantly. Yeah. That that is right there. Yeah. I mean that is right there. And when you also think about the importance of both of them too, tough to get better than that. Yeah. Third down. Tonight is media night in Vegas at the Super Bowl. What would be your plan of attack tonight to get interviews? Well, the normal answer would be I'd line up at the you know where their podium is and wait until my hand was raised, but um Well, because you could just get in there and get the, get dork. Get the interview without asking questions. Th- that's kind of that's kind of. But you but, know, like the the late night shows do like the zany stuff, and it's yeah, like, okay, you're gonna try that route. What are you gonna do? 
I would probably take, I would cherry pick off of, if you ever watched Inside the Actor's Studio with James Lipton, I would probably cherry pick off of that and I would say, hey, listen, want to do James Lipton's questionnaire here from Inside the Actor's Studio. It's super quick. What I have found over the years, Jason, and I know you know this too, it doesn't work on all of them, but more often than not, especially with the big stars, if you can talk to them about anything other than the sport itself, yeah. they gravitate to it. We got, uh, who was I with? Was it you with Chris Davis of the A's? No. Yeah. Was it you? Mm-hmm. Remember when Chris Davis, complete media blackout, yeah. did not talk to the media. All he just wasn't being mean. He just didn't want to talk to the media. And we got him in the clubhouse to spend almost 15 minutes with us. And our promise was, we won't ask you a baseball question. We're going to ask you about video games and Mario Kart and anything you want to talk about. And he was like, he just looked at us. He's like, okay. And we had a great interview yeah. with him. It's kind of like that. It would be anything but football with these guys. Yeah. And I, or could you get, like, I'm sure there's going to be someone, maybe not that many, but that just doesn't have the, the mob of people. The sure. nobodies. Yeah. The nobodies. And I think, but could you get a great conversation so. with someone? Now, if you had that person, maybe that doesn't get asked that much about football. It's it's a special team's third-string linebacker right. or whatever. Then you go in on it. You go on the game. Yeah, because with them, I think. They probably want to talk about the game. They want to talk about the game. And also, you know, I would probably lead in with a joke, something like, uh, hey, want to practice with you for your post-game career as a color commentator making millions of dollars, so mm-hmm. let's go. I want you to break down both of these teams as if we're in the booth together. Like, I'd set it up in some sort of fun way and hopefully get their competitive juices going. Like, hey, actually, I'm not going to retire off of my you know, football career, and I do want to do this later, so here's my opportunity. And maybe they appreciate being asked that. And by the way, who better to ask that than somebody that's in the freaking meetings all day and yeah. is they're they're in the meetings same as everybody else. True. So, yeah, I think that that would be the nice. approach. Uh, fourth down. Who looks worse in the Cliff Kingsbury situation, Cliff or the Raiders? I want to be real clear here, everybody. Um, I have fun with the Raiders, but I want them to do well. Um, so I know there's some Raider fans that are listening right now. They're like, oh, he's just saying that. The Raiders look stupid. Like, they look so stupid. First off, say what you want about Cliff Kingsbury, dude. Um, he's the one that left them, though. Yeah, and the fact that he wouldn't go there, that worries me a little bit. Like, did they undercut him money-wise? Did uh, who did he end up going to? Uh, Commanders. Uh, thank you. Are, did they overpay him because they're trying to do a Caleb Williams thing? Here's the, th- but I, I, it's not even the Cliff Kingsbury thing that really bothers me. You hired Luke Getzey to be your offensive coordinator, like the Chicago Bears offensive coordinator, the guy that J.T. O'Sullivan was absolutely destroying this year because. He was. They were actually running plays that weren't really plays, like at all. The the Bears in the bottom half of offense. Now I understand the Bears aren't the most talented team, and Getsy's had a bit of a. It's like Arthur Smith. You know, Arthur Smith was great with Tennessee, but I don't think Getz. You're you're now rolling in with Antonio Pierce, who is basically going to be a rookie head coach, and Luke Getsy on as your coach and offensive coordinator. It just I hope it works out. I really do. But, boy, does it smell like 
middle of the year. Devontae Adams is freaking out. Josh Jacobs is yelling all over the place. Everyone's making fun of their offense. That's what it smells like. This goes back to his, was Pierce the right hire? That's that's the thing. I mean, I get, I can at least understand why they hired Antonio Pierce. It's because of the ghost of Rich Bisaccia, yeah. and the players really rallied around him. Like, I, I give Mark Davis a pass for that. Might be the bad decision. Yeah, chasing decisions of the past. Right. Now, I just I don't I don't get why you have this legion of uh, this group of up and comers, current people. What I mean, I, I'd like to know why Cliff Kingsbury yeah. went in there and was like, "I'm good." Yeah, yeah, I'm good on this. I think apparently they even talked to Chip Kelly about being the OC. I'd rather have Chip Kelly than yeah. Luke Getzey mm-hmm. any day of the week and twice on Sundays. Yeah, I don't know if this does any damage for Kingsbury. I mean, if he goes and does well with the Commanders, then it's probably all forgotten. But that's that's also probably not a. Uh, I bet that's a frowned upon protocol, like accepting a job then bailing. Yes, like within 24 hours. Absolutely, work for Nick Saban. Yeah, you know, it wasn't 24 hours. Work for Bill Belichick. Yeah, you know that was close to 24 hours, but uh, I don't know, man. Something happened there, and the the, the Raiders. <laughs> Luke Getzey, man, come on. You're never gonna have a coordinator named Luke Getzey. I think Luke Getzey in trouble offensively because he doesn't have to call plays. Perfect. Got him. Yep. When we come back, who's hot, who's not? We'll recap three in the key before we get to Matt Barrows to start off the 9 a.m. hour. Brought to you by Stockton Honda, Northern California's number one Honda dealer. Who's hot, who's hot? Next. What's hot? Yeah, hot. Real hot. And what's not? It's not good. Brought to you by American Energy Heating and Air, Sacramento's complete heating and cooling company, and second opinion partner. Sabonis Sabonis. Yeah, he is. Meow. On Friday, Sabonis recorded his 30th double-double in a row with 26 points and 11 rebounds for the most consecutive double-doubles in Kings franchise history, 100-year history. And on Saturday, Sabonis recorded his 14th triple-double of the season, 13 points, 14 rebounds, and 10 assists against the Bulls. He is really good. Sounds like an all-star to me. (laughs) Okay. Um, by the way, wasn't there some weird – did we ever clear up, like, what was the weird thing King's PR tweeted out? Like, they, like someone got the list completely wrong. Where is it here? Uh, oh, they didn't count the big O. Per Elias Sports, DeMontis Sabonis now holds the second longest overall double-double streak in franchise history, passing Jerry Lucas's 30-game streak from October 18th to December 22nd. 1967 previous streaks pulled were not fully accurate so they have sabonis at how many is he at 30 31 now. 31 so he's now 15 behind jerry lucas yeah we don't count that yeah we don't count that but he did pass the big out so there's some okay stuff going on who's not 60 point games in the nba meaning why oh i oh i think i know Steph Curry scored 60 points against the Hawks in the Warriors' overtime loss in Atlanta. Curry's 60-point game was the sixth so far this season, and of those games, half had ended with a loss. Carl Anthony Towns scored 62 in a 128-125 to loss to the Charlotte Hornets, and Devin Booker scored 62 points in a 133-131 to loss to the Pacers. Uh-huh. Mm. I mean, yeah. What are you going to do? Don't score, score 60. Yeah, score 59 and get a win. Exactly. Don't don't be all selfish. Yeah. Carl Share Anthony Towns, all-star. 
Steph Curry, all star. Steph Curry, all star. Devin Booger, all star. All star. Mm. Well, Curry screwed Fox out of a spot. Yeah. Towns. Towns screwed Sabonis out of a spot. Booker deserved. No, he screwed I, I Keegan loved. out of a spot. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's recap three in the key, shall we? Okay. Jason, you have our numbers. I do. We made predictions. We just did the Friday game, which was the Indiana Pacer game. So we asked, uh, because he was crazy hot, DeMontis Sabonis, and going against his whole team, points, rebounds, and assists. Davey said he would get 25, or 22, 15, and 12. That's a triple-double. I said 21, 14, and 8. Chris said 25, 13, and 10. Well, he had 26, 11, and 7. We're all very good. Dave, you were minus 13 total. Mm-hmm. I was minus 9. Chris for the win, minus 7. Wow, well done, Chris. Uh, we asked for a Halliburton assist and Buddy Heald threes. I feel Ooh. like we were a little off here. Davey said 13 and 2. Oops. I said 11 and 4. Da- uh, Chris said 8 and 2. So, um, <laughs> looks like Chris was the closest, minus 8. Whatever, Chris. Because he had one assist. Yeah, that. And Buddy had three threes. Good job, Buddy. Uh, random stat. Dave, you said Mike Brown would win a challenge. You were correct. He won a challenge on Friday. That's right, Woo! he did. Yeah. Let's go. Not Saturday. Not Saturday. But he won on Friday. On Friday. To move his percentage up to 1.9%. <laughs> I said Fox would score 40 or more. I was off a day. He had 25. You were off a day, but he got it. And Chris said there would be two or more technicals. There was officially one on Pascal Siakam. So that is not two. But you or know more. what? We were all pretty close. Yeah. And I won that one. Yeah, you did. Champion. Yeah. Because that, we didn't we say the... Um, that's worth two? Yeah, that's worth two. Yeah. So you tied, Chris, basically. But also, if you win that one and it's a tie, you get the tiebreaker. That's what we said. Did we say that? Right now. We said yeah. that starting today. Starting at this moment. Brought to you by Made a Subaru. Could be you. Could be you. Yeah. <laughs> Want to do three in the key for tonight? I do. There's a lot going on in this segment. We're moving along. Kings play the Cavs tonight on this station. Town Sports, Club 40. This one. Bump your booty out there, brother. Yeah. That's right. Bump your booty out ah. there, brother. Ah. All right. What do we got here? Uh, <laughs> uh, De'Aaron Fox, he's been – oh, by the way, side note, what does this mean? Last night, power's out, uh, then it comes back on, and uh, we have a motion light outside, and it triggered. So we're like, oh, something's out there. You know, the wind leaves, whatever. Did you not? Well, fox came through the backyard. A little fox? Yeah. We had a fox. Uh, what did the fox say? <laughs> that does is, that mean something? Uh, yeah, it does. I just don't know. Does it mean, A, that's a really good omen and he's going for fitty tonight? Or, B, it's a long way back to Cleveland and he's going to be tired and he's okay. going to have a terrible... I guess we'll yeah, find out. Doing? Let's remember that tomorrow. Yeah. I have not. We've had every single thing that every fan does at home or at the stadium makes a direct impact in the game. Absolutely right. Yeah, we've had skunks. We've had turkeys. I don't think I've seen a fox in our yard, but we did have one. Uh, Yeah, fox is pretty random. You sure it was a fox and not just like a dog with a long tail? Like a red red dog? Red dog. I couldn't see the color of the fox, but I'm going fox. You ever see a fox get its belly scratched and it laughs? No, there's a video of <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they actually have a laugh. Should I have done that? You should have gone out yeah. there. I'm sure Next time a wild animal comes to your house, yeah. Jason, just What could it. go wrong? Um, 
All right. Well, De- anyway, De'Aaron Fox has been crazy out getting steals. Yeah. So we're going to ask how many steals. He has 11 in the last two games. Mm-hmm. How many for him tonight? Uh, let's come back down to earth. I'm going to give him uh, one of two numbers. I'll give him two. That's my number. I have two for him as well, Chris. I guess I'll go with three because two was my number. It's going to be two to three, yeah. Uh, big day the other day for the Kentucky Connection. Huge That's day. Fox, Monk, Lyles. So we want total points from the three. Fox, Monk, Lyles. Total points tonight against the Cavs. Give me 60. Okay, I have 51. I'm going to say 65. Okay. Lastly, random stat, Dave. Well, he just won a challenge. Hmm. Um, I will say, you know what? I feel like this is random enough because it doesn't happen enough. I'm going to say King's player will foul out. Okay. That's some bonus, huh? Foul out. He will foul out. I hope that I am wrong. Okay. I have uh, Keegan. That's a double-double tonight. Murray? Murray. I'm going to say Trey Lyles has three threes or more tonight. Okay. It's in the book. Okay. Or on the paper. On the, yeah, on that. On the thing. And uh, season, uh, we'll get to our season totals here (laughs) pretty soon. Yes. I think I'm, I think I got a pretty good lead still. About as big as my lead at Celebrity Birthdays. Yeah. Uh Which uh, is coming up here later today, 943, when we talk to Styles and Watkins. Chris has actually been doing really well. Yeah, I'm birthdays. proud of him. Oh, also, uh, by the way, a lot of a uh, lot of good feedback on um, two lies and a truth, or one truth and a lie. Or, wait, what was it called? Wait, two, 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 one lie, two, two, two <laughs> truths. <laughs> a lot of good feedback on the name. Yeah, yeah. What was it called? One. It was two lies and one truth. <laughs> no, it's two truths and one lie. There Goodbye. we go. Two truths and a lie. Yeah, that, a lot of that's good, a lie. A lot, oh. <laughs> lot of good feedback on that. Hopefully you get a lot of good feedback on the game tonight. We'll take a break. want to give you uh, an idea what's coming up in the final hour. We're going to talk to Matt Barrows next from The Athletic as uh, he is in Super Bowl mode. I wonder what the podium is going to look. Let's ask him what his interview trends yeah. are. I think he's heading there today. I think he is. Yeah. Right after. I think he's, it's actually right after our phone call. Okay. He's going to be at the airport. Wait, get on the Barrows plane. Yes. Uh, we'll go uh, along with him. We'll have a great conversation, I'm sure, for you. If you have uh, questions for Matt Barrows, as always, you can get him in at uh, 916-339-1140. Or you can put him in on the uh, YouTube chat here. Yeah. Uh, what to watch tonight. And there's a lot to watch tonight in the NBA. It's also Super Bowl media night. And then a crosstalk. So we got a, a nice, I think we've put together a very nice final hour on a Monday for you. Also, Jason, have we decided, are we going to crosstalk with Styles and Watkins when they're down there? We have decided and we are not. Really? Correct. Why? They might be recording stuff. They well, might be they busy. they might not be. Yeah. So no Friday fun and games with them? Not with them, but back here. Yeah. All right. Is it too late to tell them they can't go? No. No? Yeah. Do you think maybe we should keep them here so that we can cross talk? No. Okay. Well, we'll discuss that off the air. No, we won't. And when we come back, Matt Barrow's next.